0: Welcome to the Ben Don't Break podcast. We are powered by the Source Weekly, Ben's locally owned newspaper. This podcast is our eddy in the rushing waters of local journalism. We are glad that you're taking some of your time to listen to us chat with the people who shape our local community. I am Aaron Schweitzer, publisher of The Source Weekly, and here with me also is Donna Britt, our food critic and... uh,
1: Oh, 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 that's a harsh word. Our
0: food... Editor. ...aficionado and editor. (laughs) There you go. Food lover. uh, And uh, our um, new uh, Eats newsletter editor as well. Thank you. Uh, We are talking today with Amy Stahl. Uh, Amy is the founder of Metolius Artesian Tea, an ethics-forward, woman-founded tea company crafting exceptional teas, chai, matcha, and botanical syrups right here in Bend, Oregon. Amy, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me.
1: And Amy, I... I told Erin um, that there's a story behind why you're here, so I want to tell that story right now. And that is, I've been enjoying your tea for a long time. I don't even remember how many years now. I love the North Blend. It's my favorite. Thank you. I get it for gifts. I give it for gifts. I drink it all the time. There's some in my cupboard now. Mm-hmm. And I, But I just realized that I never really knew the story behind the tea or anything like that. And then you sent a letter a few weeks back um, to the source, and it also appeared that it was going to other mentors and supporters of yours. And it was a recap letter of a trip that you had taken, a tea trip you had taken to Nepal. And just the the way that you wrote the letter, the tone of it, you were so modest. And it seemed like you had had this transformational kind of trip. And you were just telling this story from your heart. And I'm reading this letter, and I just felt... I don't know, I felt a connection. And I thought, I need to meet this person and hear this story. And Aaron hasn't read the letter. So he's probably wondering what the word, but it was just such a sweet, wonderful letter. So maybe just start talking about that letter you sent out.
2: Yeah, so I sent that letter to friends and family and business mentors that I've um, met throughout my life, people who have taken me under their wing and taught me what they know about business and watched me grow all these years. I think I've been doing this or 12 years and i'm lucky to have a lot of people who really care about me and um and offer their advice and i decided to write them all a letter and tell them about my experience and um i've had a really uh hard time sharing my story in a marketing sort of way mm-hmm. in in my business um we up until last month haven't had a paid marketing position. We made it over a decade without
0: congratulations, <laughs> which
2: is unbelievable <laughs> sure to me
1: because that. I, I, that just stuns me. Because your label is beautiful, I see you all over town. I just all can't, bootstrapped.
2: I can't yeah. believe it. That's yeah. wonderful. So I've really struggled with this concept of telling my story in a way that means I have to get something. Uh, or trying trying to get something, trying to sell. It makes. I, I joke that I'm allergic to marketing. <laughs> um, and I've hired these two wonderful women who are um, helping me tell my story and um, what's really cool about um, working with them, they've been with me like six weeks. And, um, and they say, all you have to do is tell the truth. And yeah. what you're doing is really, what we are doing is really special and it's something to be celebrated. And it doesn't have to be some sort of external exchange like you can be a model for a business for good and that could be the purpose of telling your story not to get more sales or Mm -hmm. to get people to like you or your tea but um but to exude um this positive force in the world and if you don't use your voice you cannot do as much good as as you want to do so i um i went into this trip Uh, with all these hang-ups around telling my story. And I had such an expansive human connection and felt for the first time really like a part of a global family and sharing my story with all these wonderful people along the way um, really opened me up and um, gave a huge gift to me.
1: So, Aaron, you see why I had to talk to this woman. Yeah,
2: (laughs) absolutely.
0: Well, I mean, when Donna, I mean when we when Donna told me who was coming on the podcast this week. And um, you know, your teas are such a background for the local business economy. I mean, everybody knows those, well, at least the one I have at home is a black label, it's beautiful, it's well done. I mean, for someone who's allergic to marketing, it's an (laughs) elegant brand, and I think it suits the product very well. So uh, kudos to you.
2: Thank you. So was this the first time you had gone to Nepal? This was my first time in Nepal. This was my second international sourcing trip.
1: Because I understand, sourcing your tea leaves, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. Just kind of talk about that, why that's a big thing, why it's important, why why it matters, I guess.
2: Yeah. So the big dream of Metolius tea is to have a social justice-infused supply chain. So that means that every single ingredient that we source, teas, herbs, spices, has some impact behind it, whether it's environmental impact, social impact, economic impact. And so our goal from the beginning has been to partner with people uh, who are doing great work on the ground um, not to be doing that work ourselves, but to find people who are in their local communities who have the knowledge of what their communities need and leverage their work by by sourcing from them. So we have a variety of sources right now like, for example, our sugar, we source from Brazil, and they focus on rainforest restoration. Mm. Um, we source from an elephant-friendly tea farmer in India, <laughs> one of my favorites, right. uh, Tenzing. And uh, there's all, all sorts of ingredients like that that have some sort of impact. Another one that I love is our vanilla bean farmers. They, um, they've developed a direct trade uh, system in Madagascar for uh, making sure that farmers make the money that they should make. In an otherwise very abusive industry,
0: so how do you um, how do you establish these direct relate? Yeah. Because it sounds like these are almost friends, like they're direct <laughs> relationships with the people, rather than. I'm sure there must be a million catalogs coming to you that are. Available for you to just plunk down bulk order for, yep. you know, Red Zinger. Or whatever. Mm-hmm.
2: So this has been a huge challenge and a huge shock that it's been such a challenge. I always say, like, you can't just Google so- so social justice farmer and find what you want. Um, it's harder to find these relationships than I could have expected. I've been trying to do this for 12 years. And uh, and some of our ingredients we do source from, like, bulk bulk organic Herb suppliers where we don't know who is behind that product. My big mission is to make sure that I know every single farmer behind my products. Um, I should really count up what percentage. We have a very large percentage where we do have direct sourcing. So
1: what what made you have that mission in the first place? I mean, everybody can say, oh, yeah, that's wonderful. That's great. But Mm -hmm. to actually have to go into business and say, this is what I'm going to do? Or did that come later? I mean, wh- what made you want uh, it to be like this? Yeah,
0: I really want to hear about day
2: one. Like, oh how, God, how, there how was how no day one. one. <laughs> all of a sudden start, uh, you know. Um, all of my friends and family knew that I was running a business like way, months, years before I knew I was running a business. The <laughs> really? social, Yeah. The social justice piece was the only part I knew about. And the business sort of structured itself around that as yeah, okay. I had this impetus to get organized um, and pay for the business.
1: But why tea? I mean how did tea, how did it be tea?
2: Uh, I, I always drank tea with my sister in college when we were going to school together we'd drink tea and study and mm-hmm. I, I fell what in was love your with. Uh, women's studies is my undergrad uh, and women's history is my master's degree.
0: It doesn't scream tea, but... It, uh, it
2: doesn't. It's, it screams, <laughs> you know, the social justice piece. Right, and um, right. and I always had this uh, interest in herbalism. I um, accidentally became a forest defender when I was in my like late teens and early 20s, like living in the woods on tree platforms and uh, preventing okay. logging <laughs> projects from happening. And so I kind of became a little anarchist for a while and... Um, And that that like passion for um, the natural world kind of carried through as I was also doing social justice studies. So I had both of those threads. And then I fell in love with herbalism and started studying plants.
0: Uh, And just on your own outside of school after graduation. Mm-hmm. Well,
2: I did go to, I did go to an herbalism school in New York. And then I also went to an herbalism school yeah. in Eugene. I like school a lot. Um, <laughs> so. My daughter's like that. I should I have think said school in quotes, like you know, <laughs> institutional
0: education, but you've just been taking classes and learning on your own and getting deeper and deeper into your passion.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's been super fun. And actually, um, along with that sort of educational uh, piece, we decided in two thousand. 18 or 19, not sure, to to kind of formalize a social justice um, or we call it a do good wing of our company. So we thought the theme would change every two years, but it stayed the same since we started it. And our do good theme is education. So we do a lot internally in our company to um, promote education. Like um, we give our employees an education credit every year so they can go take classes in whatever they want. They could learn about astronauts. Like It doesn't have to be T related at all. I love that. Um, We do a book of the year. So everybody gets a copy of a book that we select together. Actually, one of our, all of our employees are wonderful, but one super wonderful team member of ours uh, works for Roundabout Bookstore. And so she often selects the books for us for our book of the year. I love that. So we do that. We also pay our employees to volunteer for, do you know, smart reading? I do. Yeah. I used to
1: be a smart volunteer. (gasps)
2: We're smart, smart volunteers. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So we pay our team to do that. And then we also donate to international education charities. So when this Nepal opportunity popped up, um, they originally emailed me and said, hey, it looks like our values are really aligned. And the thing that that piqued my interest was that they give scholarships to students who um, wouldn't otherwise have access to education. And that is kind of my main my main passions
1: so So were you uh, not yet sourcing any leaves or anything from Nepal when you got the email okay exactly
2: I was sourcing from Yunnan China which is considered to be like the the premier place in the world to source tea especially I have a really specific tea aesthetic and that's that's where to get tea that looks like that um, and we do have a good relationship with our China supplier, and they are doing important economic work. Um, but this particular company, their social good ethos is built into the company itself. It's not an added nice to have. it's it's what they are doing. So I was pretty excited to connect with them and um, shift some of my sourcing over to the tea mountains of Nepal.
0: Has it shifted your tea profile? Has it moved you because of because of the good work you found? Yeah, is it moving your aesthetic a little bit?
2: Uh so that's that's been a pretty exciting little evolution. Uh, so when I first met them, I thought their tea tasted fantastic, but it's just not sexy. Like it's right. not big, twisty, gold-tipped leaves. It does not look the way that I want it to, but it tastes delicious. So at first I put it in a really small program we have called the Tea for Good program, which goes out to subscription customers and we donate all the profits to um, education. Uh, so I ordered like two kilograms. and. I had such a nice time interacting with them and learning about what they do. I was just like, I can't let this go. I have to figure out what to do with this tea. And so I caved a little bit on my aesthetics, and I decided to blend the tea into my Earl Grey and my Black Rose. So two of the teas in my line. We have a very simple line because we're 90% wholesale facing. Mm-hmm. So we don't want to give coffee shops a ton of options. We want to say, here's the best tea. Right. It's simple. So... Most tea companies have like a gajillion teas. We keep it pretty streamlined, which means it's really hard to integrate a new source. right? But I could not. The primary tea that we sell is called black and gold. And it's big, twisty, l- filled with life leaves um, that are literally black and gold. Um, and so I couldn't make the Nepal tea my black and gold tea because it's black. It doesn't have the gold in it. A little bit disappointed about that, but I still bought a year's worth of tea Because of the cost of shipping, I had to buy it all at once um, for these two teas. And it turned out to be a pretty significant volume for them, which surprised me. um, Because in my head, I'm still a baby tea company. (laughs) Um, (laughs) How many,
0: what is the size? How do you um, judge size? How many employees do you have?
2: Well, I have 15, but um, several of them are on payroll and don't actually work much at all um we have for example this incredible mastermind named amel who is basically our on-call mechanic and has been helping us with process improvement and systems and uh he will come if i call him right but he's actually um got a whole other real job so we have a lot of people like that who who love us and um and but total um i think we have maybe Four or five full time, and then a huge handful of part time. Yeah.
0: How how available are your teas nationwide, or what? Where can we? Where do people find your teas? I mean, I know in Bend where you can get them, but
2: yeah, they're they're across the country.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a big deal. Yeah. I mean, you're sitting here like you're just oh we can like just make a little tea, but you make <laughs> a lot of tea. I mean, a lot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's been a fun journey. Yeah.
1: So when did you start? Exactly. Like, how has it been? 10, I don't 12, know. 13 years? Yeah. Okay. So, like, over a decade.
2: It's. It was a very, very slow start. You um, had
1: a funny name in the beginning. I read this on your website mm-hmm. Goat Dancing Something Goats. What, yeah.
2: what? Lovely Goat Plant Medicine was my original name. <laughs> I, I got to know the story behind that. Oh, I was young and I thought that I was just making tea for my friends. And. <laughs> I was making tea for Townsend's. Do you remember Townsend's yes, Tea I House? Yes, I do. Of course. Dear Matt let me design teas for his company. I designed his apothecary. Uh, wow. He had a big medicinal yeah. list of teas. It was yeah. so generous of him and probably the reason that I ended up doing what I'm doing. And so my label didn't really matter because I was behind Townsend's and I was selling to Dudley's and a couple of other. Bellataza, Stewart at Bellataza sure. was one of my first. And so I wasn't really worried about my image because I was in my 20s, you know, and uh, I just thought that the goat was really cute I Had the logo <laughs> had like a little a little beard and long eyelashes and I was just doing my thing. I wasn't really worried about like what other people thought of me. Well, that was just what was endearing to me. It fits
0: in with the uh, beli- non-belief in marketing. But, I love it. And, and, and it's
2: proved... True, you know, like you're dancing go guy, you are ya
1: so out. so then how did you get to Metolius from there like
2: oh, um, Chris Vanderbilt at Tethero uh he uh he <laughs> laughed on the phone when um when someone had suggested bringing my tea to Tethero uh and said there's <laughs> there <laughs> <a> lovely what <laughs> so he said there's no way he was bringing it on, and I sat down with my mom and dad and said. Help me come up with something that your friends would buy. There you go. And I was trail running a lot on the Metolius River, and uh, that resonated. And um, it's
1: a great name. That's how it came. That's a great story. Yeah. I love that. So, did the pandemic affect your business? I mean, because obviously you started before that, you got through it, and here we are on the other end. Was that was your business affected by it?
2: Yeah, it was. Um, it was pretty traumatic. We had. Uh, we had two traumatic waves that hit our company. The first was COVID because unlike every other tea company I know, we are wholesale facing, not right. retail direct. So only 10% of our income was coming from people who were buying off of our website. Mm-hmm. Everyone else was a public, a coffee shop primarily. Which wasn't open, right. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we had to lay off everyone that was working with us which um, several of them were my closest friends and still are today for the record um, mm-hmm. but, uh, but really one of the most heartbreaking experiences of my life. We didn't have forward operating capital and we weren't prepared in any way to lose 90% of our business
0: well, to be sympathetic, nobody really was. So uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, most, you know, I mean, there's lots of uh, ways people got through the pandemic. But for people who lost 90% of their revenue, they generally went into hibernation. And
2: yeah, yep, we were really lucky. Our <laughs> our landlords at the time were generous with us. And um, one, a, one of our employees helped me shut down the Spotify account and, you know, close everything out. What about this? What about this? And and I was also, um, I think, six months pregnant at the time. Oh my! So it was a pretty, pretty traumatic um, experience. But we were able to slowly build the business back uh, faster than I expected, really. So, what was on your mind during that
1: time? Did you think about maybe I'm done with this, or maybe I'll do something else, or survival, you, just
2: surviving, mm-hmm. just survival?
0: It's fun, kind of ironic because if I can think of one thing that probably boomed was people's. Household tea consumption, you know, I'm sure that... That's what floated us, for sure.
2: People said, I always get my sweet pea green at this particular coffee shop. Now I'm going to have to Google it. And, oh, look, I can buy it online. And we were able to barely make our expenses with an increase of retail sales.
0: And now I think, I mean, I'm not totally the guru of tea trends, but uh, I imagine tea drinking is up. You know, mm-hmm. all that all that homey lifestyle change that came with the pandemic, I I would think would have benefited Metolius Tea.
2: Yes, well, um, well, coffee shops are up, and yeah. we have maintained yeah. our love of baristas and <laughs> coffee shop culture. And you know, B two B is really fun. Um, and my marketing people aren't going to be happy. I'm saying this, but like, you don't have to do the monkey dance. Like, you don't, <laughs> you don't have to like. You don't have to try to be, right. like, all, like, ooh, look at us. Like, buy our stuff. Like, if you sit down with a barista, you make them a cup of chai, which is uh, the primary product that we sell, just watch their face. and They're like, this is the thing I want to sell. This is what our customers want. This is great. And they light up because they have all the same passions that we have, and it's pure. So I love selling to baristas and working with baristas oh, and that great. B2B is really what fills me up and um and you know um as I get less shy I am really enjoying that more retail direct experience and uh we did a market a couple of weeks ago for the for Pride we did the Queer Makers Market and we made chai and served it for for people walking up to the booth and seeing everybody's face just like oh like I didn't know you. You know, I didn't know who you were, and you know, maybe this you're is an my extrovert <laughs> after
1: all, Amy. <laughs>
2: it it really did fill me up to see so many people light up because of our tea. So we are moving, even though I say I love that B two B. Yeah, we are finally opening up our hearts to that more direct to consumer experience.
1: And that's what I felt when I read the letter that you wrote. Yeah, I, I felt like this 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 human being is having some sort of shift inside herself and she's sharing that and she's being vulnerable yes and which is where I is which is how I think we connect as human beings Yes. so obviously something happened in Nepal that that made that maybe uh, instigated that shift uh-huh so for sure so what what was it really
2: it was human connection yeah being on this trip and uh, getting to be up in the tea mountains and uh, we have we have a dedicated tea garden in nepal so um you have to imagine like really really steep mountainside like gardens so practically like mountain goat climbing around while you're plucking tea leaves so we got to go and um and see where my tea comes from uh, Mm -hmm. for these two teas there's a lot more that's going to be happening um but they gave me a little metal sign and um they got to I got to like pound it <laughs> into this tree to designate like this is the Metolius Tea Garden yeah. on this cool. mountain on top of the world in Nepal and and just feeling so much warmth and love and connection and and telling my story to so many different people along the way because in my life in Bend I go through the same routines I know the same people everybody has been watching me build this nine to 13 years or so. And um, and going there, everyone says, what's your story? What's your story? What's your story? And at first my story was, oh, I have a really small tea company in Oregon. And then it was, <laughs> I have a small tea company in Oregon and we focus on quality of life for our team members and flexibility and Uh, We have an ecosystem model of organization, and we use a dispersed leadership model, and we have an empowered decision-making process, and I'd start to say a little bit more. And then, you know, and then I would start to share about my other sources, and every time I told my story, I would share a little bit more, Mm -hmm. and then feel this reflection back, just like watching somebody drink my chai and seeing their face. Like, Mm -hmm. the more I told my story, the more I felt connected with the other person and just totally alive, And realized that their story is my story in some small way. So, for example, uh, this tea garden that we're working with, uh, the person who I'm working with, his name is Nish. Oh, there's uh, several people. But primarily the person who led this tour, his name is Nish. And his father was the one who started this organic tea garden in 1984. So he's second generation owner. And he is the baby of eight children. Wow. His oldest sister when sisters I think two of them when they were born there were no schools for girls in the region and so their dad made a school so that she could go to school
1: that's awesome
2: I know and when I was in Kathmandu down in the city touring their their factory the oldest sister is the one that manages and owns the factory that ships our tea to Oregon and I got to connect with her and talk about co-packing and business deals and and I was and she gave me her card and she's on this like women's entrepreneur network of Nepal and like all these boards and she's doing all this work to empower women in her community and like I got to be with her and do business deals and you know, I have so much privilege coming from the Pacific Northwest of the United States. Um, but still in my own way, I have built this business to empower, women to be able to be in the workforce in a way that mo- especially especially mothers have not been able to be. So we got to meet in this place on the planet with these same values and and have this connection over tea. And I just feel like it's a dream come true. Ah, I'm kind of weepy over here, Erin. <laughs> so you got to
1: take a... No, I mean, that's beautiful. I mean, that's it. That's... I mean, that's the point of everything that's I mean, the point right? of everything
0: so with some of when you got back were you inspired <laughs> uh after being there to for your to to just move more tea to help them to yes. bring more of that I mean I know you were talking earlier about the fact that you know you bent your aesthetic a little bit and you've added mm-hmm. it to it too but I get the sense there's more that, to that yes yeah, <laughs> that, that you know after after this kind of experience you'd You'd be somewhat motivated to get out of your shell, push your company a little bit, yep. try to have you know more of their tea brought over here, enlarge mm-hmm. that experience as well. Am I on to something?
2: Yes, this is exactly what's happening. So <laughs> um, so one of the things that I dearly love about Nepal is um, and Nish and Amigo, the owners of this company, they sat us down on the first day and they said the number one skill you need for, this will relate back to the aesthetic thing yeah. in just a second. Um, the number one skill you need to have a good experience over the next 10 days is flexibility. And mm-hmm. you looked at the Americans <laughs> 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 and, um, and I do value flexibility and everyone who works with me values flexibility. You have to, if you want to be in my sphere, really. Um, cause it's something that I require. And it's also something that, um, that my team really appreciates because I give and, um, and so so this is a huge value. So anyway, there was a missing day in the itinerary where there's like, oh, you went from Friday to Sunday. What are we doing on Saturday? And at that point, we had realized how much potential there was for our companies to partner and to source a lot more. And that was the day for us to have a whole day-long business meeting and figure out, okay, do, do pink peppercorns grow in Nepal? What do you what could you do with cardamom, you know? Um going down the list of every possible thing that we could buy from these farmers and figuring out how to have the most economic impact and also how metolius and our whole team can have some voice in uh, in what the money from our company goes to because they have lots of different uh, impact projects going Uh, and of course i would like to see some of the money go to particular children that i met and particular mothers that i met so um so we had a whole day to discuss this and it turns out that I can actually have everything I want. I what? <laughs> it turns out it turns out that my aesthetic that big twisty gold-tipped leaf is something that we can do. So we're working with the manager of the gardens and next March we will be producing our first batch of black and gold tea from Nepal and it is our first time having an on the ground impact in the end quality of the leaf. Wow. Yeah yeah it's pretty exciting. Uh, We're also looking at sourcing tea for our chai which is 65 percent of our sales so it'd be a very big deal for them to have that kind of volume. Um, We're looking at herbs and spices as well. That's amazing. I just love it. I
1: love it that it was. What I love about it is that it wasn't a premeditated searching something out thing. It was this organic thing that's just unfolding, right? Which seems to be your style and such a natural evolution, I guess you might say. It's
2: pretty special. Yeah, I'm excited about it. That's wonderful.
0: We're kind of reaching the end of our time. Is there other things that uh, are on your mind you'd like to tell us about Matolia's tea? I can't think of anything. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How
1: many children do you have?
2: Do you just have three? You have three? I have three. You
1: have three babies?
2: Um, no. Two are teenagers. No. I, I am a part of a really happy, healthy, blended family. And I've had my two older since they were two and six. Oh, wonderful. And now we have our three-year-old. Oh,
1: that you had great. during the pandemic. That I had during the yeah.
2: pandemic. And the older ones are now um, 12 and almost 16. And the 16-year-old and the three-year-old, our birthday brothers. So they'll turn three and 16 on the same day. That's
1: wonderful. I just, it just, when you were talking about working mothers and how that was a thing and then just having been, uh, you know, um, in the workforce for a very, very, very long time and just knowing Mm -hmm. what it was like when my kids were little and how tough that. It is so hard. And Mm -hmm. how there, there were just a lot of barriers and issues and obstacles and, People not understanding and it just being a big deal if yeah. you had to t- pick up a kid early or go to the dentist or need a sick day or we whatever. We have built
2: our company around families and the ability for mothers to work.
1: I mean, that is, if that can happen, if our culture can mm-hmm. shift that way, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. So kudos to you.
0: Yeah, it's been a pleasure having you here. Thank you you so much. And as you you certainly have to keep us in the loop as you continue to explore these relationships and and what's possible over there, because I imagine you're just at the beginning.
1: Yes, very much. And we're going to keep drinking your tea. Thank (laughs) you so much. (laughs) Thanks,
0: Amy. Thank you, too. You've been listening to the Ben Don't Break podcast powered by The Source Weekly. To read, hear, and see more of what we do, go to bensource.com.